Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Ask me, ask Eliza anything. It's time to ask. Ask me all your questions. Leave them in the Instagram That is the sound of my dad, Fred Schlesinger, <laughs> back by popular demand on Ask Eliza Anything here. And now, uh, because you're back, we have the pleasure of referencing callbacks um, and, and people know you. And for those who don't know you, tell us a little bit about yourself, dad. Oh, my God. Well, um, I'm Fred Schlesinger. For those of you that don't know me, I'm Fred Schlesinger. Um, I've been, uh, Eliza's dad for all of her life. Most of it. Yes. And, no, all of your life since birth, I've been your dad. Yeah. And, um, I live in Dallas, Texas. I'm a ex New Yorker, as you could detect by my accident. I mean, accent. And, um, oh. <laughs> I moved here back in 84 along with Eliza, who was six months old when, uh, her and her mom moved with me. Um, back in 84 and um, have developed a wonderful life, partly because I'm from New York and I appreciate the easy laid back Southern lifestyle of Texas. So uh, a great place to raise a family and uh, raise the, all four of my kids in Texas. Well, and um, I'm a financial advisor by day and I'm a, um, uh, avid uh, competitive tennis player by night and on weekends. Um, You're more of a, a hyphen, a, a multi-hyphenate. Tennis player. Uh, musician. Musician, home chef. Um, recently uh, uh, acquired the home chef title due to the pandemic. I've been cooking and creating amazing uh, recipes and cooking on my grill and even, you know, in my oven and um, have really developed a love for cooking uh, and continue to develop a talent for cooking because I'm not where I want to be. But um, well, let's let's hold on. All right. Let's get into the questions because uh, yes. people are very excited to have you back from last time. Uh, and they know that you are 
I mean, you were big into going out to restaurants, a lot of opinions on food, everything underscore in underscore chaos, chain steakhouses versus mom and pop independent. I live about an hour and a half from Fort Worth and Texas Day Brazil is the quote unquote fancy place for us. But I'm from Wichita Falls and McBride's family owned was the fancy place growing up. I need a professional opinion, Fred. Okay, well, you want a professional opinion on on steakhouses, but you're going to a subset of steakhouses in these, uh, and I and I'm not pronouncing it correctly. The Brazilian steakhouses are churrasco. What 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 is uh, chur churrasco? Is it, is it churrasco? Is it churrascaria? I don't know. I just know Fogo de Chao. Jurassic Park. I'm not really sure, but it's it's something with a ch. Uh, but. The problem I have with the Texas Day Brazils, and we have a few of them, actually many of them, in the DFW Metroplex, and probably nationally, is, you know, they keep bringing around the different cuts of meat, but if you notice, they keep bringing around... What? Yes, I I know what you're going to say. They bring around, like, the liver. More liver? Right, the flake board of meat, like the crappiest cuts of meat. And they go, would you like them on? And you got to turn over your little disc from uh, red to green, which means that you're still hungry, that the 42 pounds of meat you have is just not quite enough to fill you up. But when you say to them, you know what, I'm waiting for the filet mignon cut, uh, they go on a break. I mean, you can't find the filet. Yeah. It's, uh, and there's a name for it. They, they give it some stupid name, like, you know, but it's like the tilapia of, of meat. It's the worst, shittiest cut. And that's what they try to force on you. And they try to. So they can make money. Bar. Yeah. Otherwise, you're paying $70 and eating right. $500 worth of prime beef. Right. So it's just so overpriced right. and overrated. But, but if I did go to one, I'd much prefer to go to a family-owned mom-and-pop version than the chains. And that's the way I feel about uh, eating out in general. I much prefer a, you know, a sole proprietor feeding I feel like me a pre- primo, primo cut. I feel like Ruth's Chris... Because it's named after her son. I feel like that started out independent. And then it was like a special steakhouse. And now there's one in like every Ramada. Like if you're at an airport. Well, it's, like- a, it's interesting you, you bring up Ruth Chris. They just shut down the Is one it? in Dallas on the tollway after many, many years. The problem I have with Ruth Chris is they cook all the steaks in heavy butter. And while it tastes amazing. That's no problem. Um, I can't. I can't eat any butter. You know who my, does that too? Life. Peter Luger. Uh, and it, it, it the oh. first time I went, it was so tasty. And then we were in New York shooting the sketch show the day the Pete Wells uh, New York Times review came out that panned it. And we happened to have a reservation for that night. And we went and it was more crowded than ever because people came out to support it. Not my favorite steak dinner, but one time I brought Blanche there and the bartender kissed her on the mouth. And I thought that that was very special. More meat the other re- no, no. The other restaurant in uh, New York, or actually in Brooklyn, which is where Peter Lugas is, is the Old Homestead. Uh, and it's actually on Long Island in the Miracle Mile, Manhasset area. And that is truly, um, you know, it's funny. I'm going to talk about on my bottom of the cob about No, no, restaurants. Do not, don't give it away and we, we will move I'm on. Not- now. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. 
it happened to me. I didn't think it would, but it happened to me. I had a nasty bout of postpartum depression. Now, there's nothing to be ashamed about in talking about what you're dealing with, and there's nothing to be ashamed about in talking about it with someone. I definitely saw a therapist these last couple weeks because, you know, I spend my time giving advice to others, but I could use a little advice myself. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. I'll tell you what, when you're already stressed or anxious, the last thing you want to do is battle traffic and sit in a waiting room and get your parking validated. I'm sorry, is that just an LA thing? You don't need to add all that. You can just sit in the comfort of your own home or a chair you like outside and you can talk to someone from BetterHelp. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists at any time. No additional charge and it doesn't hurt their feelings. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Eliza today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, dot com slash Eliza. I'm busy and this time of year gets even busier. I've had my baby, I'm back to work, I'm at meetings, I'm on tour, I'm running around and I don't always have time to sit down for a meal with my family. Sometimes I get home from set so late and I just need to eat something nutritious and go to bed. And that's why I like Factors fresh, never frozen meals because they're dietitian approved and they're ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy I am, and I'm busy, I always have time to get a nutritious, great tasting meal. Factor has over 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week. So I never get bored. I'm trying to do less meat in general and they have wonderful vegan and veggie options. I just made a vegan mushroom marsala and I made an onion risotto. Just because you're eating vegetarian doesn't mean you can't eat deliciously. It had roasted garlic green beans. It was scrumptious. Head to factormeals.com slash Eliza50 and use code Eliza50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code Eliza50 at factormeals.com slash Eliza50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Well, it's finally happening. The weather is finally getting warmer. So it's time to say goodbye to the jackets and cozy sweaters we've been hibernating in all winter. And it's time to say hello, bonjour, to shorts and t-shirts. And if you've been wanting to update your wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune, Quince is for you. I talk about Quince a lot because I really believe in a sustainable capsule wardrobe. And there's no reason you can't have a sustainable, timeless wardrobe for every season. And Quince has got you covered with premium linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable, silk tops, hello. And the best part is all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Dressing well shouldn't break the bank. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. Look well. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash Eliza for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash Eliza to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash Eliza. Okay. I won't give it away. Speaking, I'll never give it away. Speaking of New York, Millarded, I think the ink cut off here, Millarded, says, Fred, what do you think is going to become of New York City? Will it ever be the same? Huh. So as a ex-New Yorker, but when I say ex-New Yorker, I'm a New Yorker through and through, and even though I've... What qualifies? Out- what, what makes you a New Yorker through and through? Like if you had like a bullet point checklist... Well, I was born in New York. Okay. So me- that qualifies me as a New Yorker. Me too. And and I had, well, but you only lived in New York for six months. I'm just saying, if we're going off the first point, I'm a New Yorker, well, baby. What, what qualifies me is I lived through the late 50s, the 60s, 
and the 70s and half of the 80s. So that's what qualifies me. So I've been through so many economic uh, cycles and so many problems, whether it was the uh, famous summer of 1978, Son of Sam, whether it was- that was you. That was, I was, yes, it was a son of Fred, right? No, but that was a, it was unbelievable. But what was amazing in 1978, just as a slight tangent, not only was the son of Sam killings going on, which was, you know, they made so many movies about it, but it was the same year that the Yankees won the World Series. And while well, I'm not a Yankee fan, I am a baseball fan. And it was the year that um, Reggie Jackson hit the three home runs in October and he was dubbed. Mr. October. I mean, it was so much excitement. The garbage strikes, the power outages. I I have my New York badge because I've been through all of the ups and downs of almost four decades living in New York. So to get back to the question posed, New York is just one tough motherfucker city. <laughs> and they will endure and they will rise to any occasion. And the pandemic is no exception. Uh, when you go back in history and you look at all of the problems that New York had to endure, even you know many of you are old enough to re- certainly remember uh, the 9-11 attacks and um, how New York bounced back. If anybody has the opportunity to visit New York and to see the Memorial Museum that they built, the 9-11 Museum is just absolutely breathtaking. And the new World Trade Center that they built to replace the old one that was uh, demolished um, is is just a testament. How does to... jet fuel burn through all steels of... <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> we, we, how does, how does jet fuel disintegrate into the editing button there. Yeah. Um, but um, if you get a chance... And, and I also would throw in a great city like Chicago that is incredibly resilient uh, because they too have been through. They seem uh, fine. So, they, seem, uh, they seem fine. They, they're doing great. They're Midwest and uh, they, they have a big smile. But Chicago's like New York in the palm of your hand. It's just a smaller version. And the people are wonderful, as, as are New Yorkers. New Yorkers are an acquired taste. So if you've never met a New Yorker, just take a deep breath and you'll realize how real, how real and true New Yorkers are because they tell it like it is. And a lot of people down south don't like to hear the truth. You know, I can, like- I think I'm a New Yorker because I tell it like it is and there's never, it's rarely with any malintent. And it's not that there's no filter. And I always appreciate when I do business I always get more done in New York. L.A. is very like, well, we don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. We're all so excited. Everyone's gutless. Everyone's spineless. Everyone's just taking it easy. New York is go, go, go. And that's how I like to live my life, which is why I'm currently banging my head against a wall. But speaking of New York. And and to your point, New Yorkers and New York, it's all about getting things done. It's all about results. New Yorkers aren't into excuses and procrastination and bullshit. New Yorkers get it done. They get it done uh, in an efficient, effective uh, way. And, you know, you either you either um, accept it or you reject it. But well, I, str- I struggled living in Dallas when I first moved here because of that conflict. Because people in Dallas is, you know, kind of like L.A. You're like, yeah, you know, we'll get it done next Thursday and we'll look at it and we'll plan and stop it. Just 
get it done. I see. I enjoy having a foot in both worlds because when I play in the South and the Midwest, I enjoy, everyone's so nice. And granted, I'm not doing, I'm just meeting fans. There's such a, every part of our country has its own type of sweetness that you get from people. I love hearing New Yorkers because it reminds me of the way my parents sound. And when I hear a Southerner, I can pick a, I can spot a Dallas accent from a mile away. And it reminds me of all the mean public school teachers I had, but it's still comforting. Libra like Lizzie, hey, I have a question for Fred. Being from Queens, did you ever attend a concert at Forest Hills back in the heyday of the stadium? Working at the stadium for the last few years, I've learned a lot of the rich history, and I was wondering if you had any stories. Thank you. Okay. Forest Hills. Okay, Forest Hills. So it's a multi, uh, another multi-question, which I love. And we're talking about my two favorite passions, which is tennis and music. So I attended two concerts back in the 70s, one of them was uh, I saw Frankie Valley in the Four Seasons at the Forest Hills uh, Stadium. And as a side note to that, I also, when I was a professional musician, played one night in the band with Frankie Valley in the Four Seasons when they performed at Queens College. And that was a one night gig. And uh, I'll cherish that for the rest of my life. And then the other band that I heard was Chicago, which is an iconic horns group from the 70s and 80s and uh, produced over 20 amazing uh, albums. And then from a tennis standpoint, I was at the last U.S. Open that they had in Forest Hills until they moved it to Flushing, uh, the Louis Armstrong and Billie Jean King campus. And I was there, and I believe it was 1979 or 1980, was the last year that they played. And for you tennis lovers, the US Open was played on clay at Forest Hills, and then they moved it to hard court when they moved it to the new uh, campus, which, by the way, if you haven't been, and when you're allowed to go to the, to the US Open, hopefully in 2021 and in future, um, they've built, they've redone Louis Armstrong Stadium, redid the grandstand, and of course, Arthur Ashe is magnificent. Okay. Mariana.slug. I have a dilemma I consider akin to what, say, someone knocks on the bathroom door when you're in there. It's a reference from my sketch show. It's an awkward scenario. Background. I have a, debil- I have a debilitating TMJ issue and have not been able to chew for over a year and a half, and I'm often in a lot of pain. It's become so normal to me that anytime I see a food ad, I think, why are you showing those nuggets? Literally, no one can eat that. Either funny or sad, who knows? I need advice on how to handle people at work who I know are just trying to be nice and check in after finding out about my problem. I've recently had surgeries and a lot of doctor's appointments and have led to more people knowing about what's going on. I'm not really doing better, but don't want to be a downer, so I always tell them things are improving so I can try to keep things as private as possible possible because I really don't want anyone's pity. I just don't know what to say when someone asks me how my jaw is doing when it keeps getting worse. But in the grand scheme of the world right now, my issues are small potatoes. Surely I'm not the only one with this kind of problem. Eliza, Fred, baby arm, we need you to weigh in. I'm going to leave this one for you and baby arms because- Because you don't care? No, I care very much for her affliction, but what does it have to do with taking a shit? I don't understand. No one said anything about taking a shit. She, she started off with knocking on a bathroom door. She was saying it's an uncomfortable, ah, like it's awkward. Okay. Right. Akin to that. Right. <laughs> um, it goes back to my thing about asking about babies. She has TMJ, TMZ, what does she have? 
She has TMJ, TMJ in her jaw. So her jaw like locks. Oh, I locks. have slight jaw issues. I, I mean, it, or it just hurts a lot. Um, I have that. It doesn't hurt, but I, it clicks. I don't know if you can hear that in the microphone. Um, but this goes back to what I was saying about when people ask, like, are you going to have a baby? And no one really wants to know the answer about whatever you're afflicted with. So I don't know. Why does your, why do your coworkers know that you had surgery? Yeah. Isn't yeah, that's, that, that, yeah. that would be what I would ask. And this kind of goes back to uh, empty pleasantries. Um, I hate to say this to you, but I'm going to say it as a New Yorker. Nobody really gives a shit about your afflictions because everybody has their own problems, their own afflictions. And I would simply answer that by going, I'm fine. I'm doing fine. I'm doing better. A lot of times people say, hey, Fred, how are you? And I go, I'm doing better. And what that does is it elicits why. Was there something wrong? No, I'm just doing better. I try to do better every day of my life and not get in. I see. I think there's I think there's a version where the tone uh, makes it clear that you don't want to talk about it. Yep. You I know, agree. um, like I, like many white people during Black Lives Matter, reached out to the black colleagues that I have. And I sent a letter to one of the people who works for my business manager. And I was like, I just want to let you know, I've worked with you forever and I'm out there protesting. I stand with you. And she just wrote back, thanks. Right. <laughs> Which let me know. She was like, I don't want to hear your fucking white guilt. But I, you know, I respected that. So I think there's a version where you're just like, it's fine. And, and it sucks that you're in pain. Um... And aside from like a couple, and also you, you're right. You don't want to be the person that's always talking about it because then people start to think like, oh, she's doing it for attention or, oh, she's such a downer. So you're not wrong. Um, I think it's about tone. Like I'm fine. Any, and then just change the subject. Yeah. I'm doing, because I'm your doing, thing I'm is, doing great. I'm doing well. Thank you for asking and yeah. move on. That's, that's because the truth is it's not it's getting worse and it sucks and you don't want to keep talking about it because these people can't help you Emily, so i sympathize you, with you Emily, since you've contributed she can't nothing to this episode, she cannot hear you well ask her if she wants to contribute since she said nothing so far well she can't hear any of the oh, okay my kind she's, of she's doing something else okay yeah. she, my my she's she's in the bathroom with the door closed right now are you a billy squire fan oh her ears perked up when i said emily are you a billy squire fan dad no why? I've gotten into him recently. Okay. Okay. Jenna Lucas, 16. Yes. I was just thinking of Fred when I was in the office. So this is speaking of pleasantries. When I was in the office and people walk by and give the pretend smile. What does he call those again? Empty pleasantries is what okay. we called it. And thank you so much. What, what was her name? The, the Jen, uh, Jen Lucas, 16. Empty pleasantries she, should be at like empty pleasantries. Ba-ba-ba-ba-ba. I'm loving yeah. it. <laughs> yes. I'm going through life, living empty. empty pleasantry. So we're talking about, now you're talking Don't about- Don't really give a shit of how you feel when I ask you how you're doing. I'm not really interested. You know what I feel? I feel that way when people ask women if they're going to have a baby. Nobody's actually interested in your beyond yes nobody wants to hear like oh actually i have a tilted uterus and i can't or um there's something wrong with me nobody ever they just want to know yes i'm currently having sex most people ask questions not because they're interested just because it's a perfunctory thing it's like a flight attendant saying have a nice flight she hates you she doesn't care right but you say it just right. like i say it back to them so, so pre-COVID, you know, you have you have uh, all these companies have an office culture. And by the way, it's going to be really interesting when we get on the other side of COVID, how office cultures will 
de-evolve or devolve, maybe that's the word. Is devuelve, devuelve. Because devolva? De de nope. Devolva? That's referencing We're something else. pregnancies, devolva? Devuelve. Okay. okay. Devuelve. Hey, thank you very much. So, um... It's going to be really interesting to see what happens with uh, on the other side of COVID. I've been talking to a lot of my business associates about uh, the the landscape of commercial real real estate and the landscape of corporate culture because we're not now physically interfacing. Yes, we have Zoom and we have uh, Microsoft Teams, blah blah blah, but it's not the same as that physical uh, encounter with each other. And I really think you're going to see. Uh, subliminally, uh, companies' cultures devolving. And I think ultimately you're going to see a lot of us going back to uh, going to the office. Uh, right now it's a novelty and it's great. And, and it is wonderful to be able to I think sit there in your Zoom T-shirt that you haven't washed for three weeks. And I washed this. I worked out in it. And what happened to the neck washed, of your... I'll be honest with you. Well, the neck As of your, your father, shirt... What? The neck of your shirt looks like it's trying to get away know, from you. I know, I know. Is well, it a V-neck? Is that okay. better? Is yes, that it's better? much better. Now I'm choking. Uh, it's <laughs> the weight loss. It's all the weight loss. I blame everything on my uh, nope. unbelievable weight loss. That's not a weight loss. That's a, a stretched out neck. I. It's just a bad, bad fashion item. See, I think it's great that people aren't going to their offices because- not everybody works better at an office and you'll definitely having less cars on the road is always a good thing. And I think especially in L.A., you know, you live, you know, in the south, southern part of the city and it's like, I got to get to Marina Del Rey to sit in a shared workspace. You know, why why not be able to focus on your family or be at home? That being said, it seems like people have less to do and they're doing it slower. Like, oh, they can't get back to you this week. I'm like, why? Because you're making a sandwich. Like, don't, don't we want money? I know. How, how come you were late to your Zoom call? What what'd you do? You tripped in the bathroom? How are you possibly late to a Zoom call? You know, being late to a meeting pre-COVID, I was in traffic, I got a flat, my babysitter ran late. I get all that. But you have no excuse being late to a Zoom call anymore. Sorry. It's like those, those shirts that say, sorry, I was late. I didn't want to come. <laughs> Uh, speaking of business, so you are a financial advisor, financial planner, financial advisor. For, yes. Uh, I, I believe the title is uh, Advisor Financial Fantastique. Ooh, I like that. It's a French company. Yes, I've, I've been, um, yes, go ahead. What's your Ecl question? E. Claire Saunders says, what is a good IRA option when you have a small business and want to offer this option to some, but not all of your employees, only the cool ones? I've owned my business for four years now, four full-time employees, three are family and co-owners. So, I don't know what that means. Unlike, unlike a Dave Ramsey and a Susie Orman, I am a licensed I believe it's financial. pronounced Suze. Suzaphone. Suze. Suze. Scroozy. Okay, but unlike you're... them, I am a licensed professional. And Ooh. as such, I'm not allowed to uh, give advice uh, in a public forum like this. However, I would be happy to talk to you one-on-one. -on -one, um, and I'll give you my, my phone number or my email. And we could talk about it. Uh, but there are a lot of options. I do a lot of work with small business owners. And there's a lot of qualified and non-qualified retirement options available to you as an owner. So feel free to reach out to me one-on-one -on -one and I'll be able to uh, give you more customized 
give her, advice. Well, give the email now if you like, in case we forget later. Um, you could email me at uh, Schlesinger uh, at iCloud.com. S-H-L-E-S-I-N-G-E-R okay. no, no. at iCloud.com. Don't give them the spelling. If they don't, if they're not a fan, then they don't know the spelling. Well, but do not email. Don't email my dad. No, you cannot call me on she my Chanel phone. Okay. No. no my wife is very jealous. She'll get jealous. Sure. Okay. Johnny Marier says, what is some piece of advice Fred wishes he'd gotten about fatherhood before he'd had children? For background, I'm, a 30, I'm 34 and expecting my first child, a daughter with my wife in November. My father died when I was 17. And even if he'd been around, I don't think I could have applied those lessons and have a healthy kid. I don't know what that means. Um, yeah. What is some I advice? Think, I think I'm 65. I lost my dad 42 years ago. Uh, at a very early age, I was 23, he was 54. And uh, unfortunately, he died two weeks before my first wedding, uh, tragedy. And I um, threw myself into taking care of my mom, who was clearly devastated by this untimely death. But uh, to answer your question, 42 years later, I still think of my dad on a daily basis. And what I reflect on is all the amazing experiences we shared together, the memories that I have of us enjoying our lives together, whether it was through eating, uh, you know, grilling, whether it was through golf, tennis, all the things. So my advice to you is um, from birth, work at developing an amazing bond through uh, shared common interests as your child gets older um, and be always be there. Try to always be there, whether it's physically or electronically, for that child to give them the satisfaction, the comfort that they have uh, uh, loving parents. Um, I work with so many people, uh, such a cross-section of demographics, and I find so many uh, people at any age just didn't have that comfort level uh, in growing up. They weren't given the love. They weren't given the support, uh, whether it was through uh, compliments, whether it was through uh, effort. Gifts, that, money, that presents. Kids, well, yeah, and, and what happens today is a lot of that's substituted by giving your kids money, and parents think that that's a form of love. It and, really and, is. It truly, truly is. It can be, but there's no substitute for a warm embrace or a direct eye contact and telling your kid, I love you, I'm proud of you, and I'm here for you as long as... You know, God will let me be here. So, so and you're you, so you you bond with each of your children. So wow. you and I have comedy, and you and Brad enjoy uh, uh, tennis together, and you and Emily have music. What the hell do you have in common with Ben? Um, I would say a deep rooted understanding of who he is, because he's a really he's yet he's he's simple yet he's very complex, and um, we. Okay, so we share these amazing memories. When when he lived with us for the 10 years from 8 to 18, 
we did so much. And he reflects on that and, and he takes that into his current life. And he's, he's even said to me, dad, when I, when I have a baby, when I have a child, I, you know, there's so many things that I'm going to do that you did with me. So, you know, that brings me a lot of satisfaction and uh, a lot of it is just the love that I gave him because he was challenged and he needed extra attention because uh, he, you know, he didn't think the way a lot of kids. Think. When you ask someone what language they took in school, usually it's like with an eye roll. They're like mm, French. It's like, do you speak French? No, I don't use it. I feel like a lot of us had difficulties learning a language in school. Rosetta Stone is here to change that. It's available on desktop and it can be used as an app on your phone or your tablet. Rosetta Stone are trusted experts for more than 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. Rosetta Stone immerses you in many ways with an intuitive process and you can pick up any language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Plus, with Rosetta Stone's true accent feature, you'll get feedback on how well you're pronouncing words. That's right. You might even fool some locals into thinking you're one of them. It's like having a personal trainer for your accent. I headed to Mexico City for a little vacation, and I used Rosetta Stone to brush up on my Spanish. Just a few things, few verbs that I knew I had forgotten, and I was better. Mejor. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Ask Eliza Anything listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash Eliza. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash Eliza today. I do think there's something to be said for ordering something of quality and every once in a while getting a nice package in the mail with a product that you're going to own for a long time. Let me tell you about Bolin Branch's signature sheets because they're the perfect way to start upgrading your sleep, your room, the look of your room because they're designed to feel incredible for all sleepers. They are made with the finest 100% organic cotton. These sheets feel buttery soft yet super breathable and they're perfect for warmer summer months ahead. We have a house that we go to in the summer and I got all Bolin Branch sheets for the beds because we're having a lot of guests this year and I want them to feel like they're at a nice bed and breakfast that they didn't have to pay for. Bolin Branch sheets are free from toxins like synthetic pesticides, formaldehyde. I bet you didn't know that was in your sheets. And their signature sheets come in 14 versatile colors and they come in sizes from twin all the way up to California King. And Bolin Branch has a 30-night worry-free guarantee, which means you can wash, style, and sleep in their sheets for an entire month. And if you don't love them for any reason, you can send them right back with free returns on all U.S. orders. Sleep better with the softest, most breathable bedding from Bolin Branch. Go to bolinbranch.com slash Eliza for 15% off your first sheet set, plus free shipping. That's Bolin Branch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com slash Eliza for 15% off. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Northern Girali, Northern Girali says, uh, my 30-year-old female, my 30F relationship, my 30-year-old female? Yeah. Yeah. But then she said, I'm, I'm a 30-year-old female. My relationship with my dad is kind of strained. I'm living at home for financial reasons and it's tough. He's very unemotional and quiet, mostly sits alone and watches Netflix with headphones or reads and ignores my mom and I. I want to have a better relationship and connect more with him and have meaningful conversations. What's your advice on trying to connect with my dad? So is she living with her dad? Yes. I mean, do you get that? She says, I'm living at, she says, I'm living at home for financial reasons. She's a 30F. Okay, so um, nice there, bra, could nice be, bra size. there could be an underlying risk Tension. there. 
yeah. tension. Good That's word. what I thought. And he is manifesting this possibly disappointment or tension or stress by saying, look, it's, it's enough that I let you live here. I don't have to deal with you. Okay, so I'm doing you a favor. I'm your father. I love you. But that's where it ends. But the, the sooner you can get yourself a fucking job, the better off we'll all be. So I think that there could be maybe some tension there. I'm, I'm kidding around and I shouldn't be. Um, Why? It's, it's, I mean, it's a podcast. It's a comedy it podcast. May, it may be true. But if I'm her, the uh, questionnaire, I would be relentless in piercing that veil that her her father has created by just keep on working it and keep on. Oh my on. God, he might, that might be his biggest nightmare. Like, hey dad, hey be. dad. <laughs> it could be, but, but what he wants, what I'm getting from this is he wants nothing to do with her and he feels obligated because he's her parent or father in, in this case. And so he's doing the best he can and he's saying, but other than that, leave me alone. And you have to just make sure that you constantly are telling him how much you appreciate what he's doing and what you're working on so that you can move out to give him hope of getting rid of you physically. Um, and just keep on working on your relationship. Don't give up. Don't give up. You get one father, you get one mother in this life. Don't give up. Anonymous. My dad and I stopped talking after my parents' brutal divorce four years ago. Context. My mom was a kept woman, barely knew how to write a check, which I'm like, who writes a check? Okay. And so when he picked up and left, I helped her learn to do normal things, fill her car with gas, pay bills, mow the lawn. Okay. I think my dad thought I was choosing sides, but the truth is she's my mom. I couldn't just let her flounder. He did remarry a much younger woman. She's 48 and he's 66 and she has young kids. I've never met them or her. I won't lie. There were definitely things said that were not okay on both parts. And I've written to him five times, handwritten letters and sent him birthday and Christmas cards each year. He hasn't responded or even tried reaching out. Is it a lost hope? I want a relationship with him and was hoping the passing time would soften him, but I feel like a needy child. Any words of advice or perspectives? Greatly appreciated. Love to you all. Also, I'm straight. Not that it matters, but I want you to have, I know you always want the details. She's 35. Well, well I'm straight too, so I feel qualified to be able to answer it. I, I am divorced <laughs> too, and I have two children, Eliza and Ben, um, who were products of a divorce. And so I'm very qualified to answer no, this. I, that's, I, I, I take umbrage with that. Products of a divorce. Byproducts. Uh, we, but no, because that makes it like the divorce happened and then you had the kids because of the divorce. No, no, no. no. You, I don't like you, that. I don't you, like it. I don't like it. You come from a divorced parent. So what, there we what, go. Word, what word do you want to use? Um, uh, begotten. Begat. Great, great. Now we're in medieval times here. Great. All right. So go on. Get my so, lance and, and helmet. Okay. Get, so getting back to your question, what you described is a lot of divorces. A lot of uh, things are said in the heat of divorce and subsequent weeks, months, and years after the divorce. And I've always said that the real victims in any divorce are absolutely the kids. So you are definitely okay. a victim of this and you had nothing to do with it. What I would do... Well, you don't know that. 
She could be truly but, terrible. Yeah, you might have been the reason for the divorce. We don't yeah, know. Yeah, someone that. had to say it, you know. Maybe maybe they hoped you were a lesbian and you turned out to be straight and they were disappointed <laughs> in you. Who knows? Maybe. But my point is, one of the things you may try to do is try to establish a relationship with your father's current spouse, okay, woman to woman. And that may be a way, uh, a channel to get back through to your dad. Uh, again, going back to the question earlier, don't give up. If, if you believe that there's value in having a relationship with your father, don't give up. Keep reaching out. Keep trying to let the, her know, him know that his love is very important to you. And I would take the uh, route of trying to establish, if you don't have one, uh, a relationship with his, uh, did he remarry in the question? He did. He, he did. He did. Okay. But I, I got to say, I, I disagree. This is a lot, both questions. You're, you're suggesting a lot of work on the kids part. Your dad sounds like a petulant child. And what's yes. really fun is to nurse a wound uh, for the rest of your life. That way you can blame all your bad tattoos on it. But it's really sad that you've written your dad cards and he won't answer because you didn't want your mom to basically die. So, yeah, it's try pathetic. the stepmom. It, but it's yeah. terrible. I'm not, I'm not defending the father. The father's being a shit by not reaching back out to, uh, is it his only child? We don't know that really. We'll never know. But it doesn't matter if he had 11 kids or not. Each kid should be of tremendous value. So... Um, I shit on the father for ignoring the daughter, but assuming that that's the way he is, it doesn't mean that she should give up on trying to establish a relationship. How old is, how old is she? Does 35. 35. And how old is the father? 66. Yeah, 66. So I, I wouldn't stop, but I also, this is the third time I'm suggesting this, Try to go through the current spouse. Uh, go through the, the stepmom because you're almost the same age. Glenn Marshall, <laughs> 3316. It's about fucking time you come back on the show. We miss the legendary funny man and food critic. What do you, you think about plants imitating meat? I think quality still the same for these people have lost their, or I don't know. I think quality still... I don't know what that says. He says, if people lost their fucking minds, I hear so many different arguments. Let's hear the legend opinions. Do you feel getting the same tasting meat now that restaurants are, or do you feel you're getting the same tasting meat now that restaurants are doing pickup or are they just warming it up for you to eat? Not getting that room perfect temperature meal when eating at an establishment. Some of these chefs aren't putting in the love you usually get. Can you tell us one of your funny stories about Eliza or taking a dump or something crazy that happened to you eating out on the town? All right, so let's start with the plant-based meats. Yeah, How do you feel? This about is it? like a this is like a three-part question. Person so, pumped. Um, being more traditional, uh, being older uh, than younger, um, meat is meat, and plants are plants. And I get the whole thing where they're trying to make uh, a plant burger taste like meat, but. It's you know tasty. what? It's just, it's, I'm sorry. It's when I want, when I want a burger, when I want a steak, I don't want seasoned tofu. I, I don't want that. It's bullshit. But, but have you had a beyond burger? I have tried it. Have you had an impossible burger? I've tried one of those. I don't know. what. Yeah. I don't know either. I don't know. But the it's difference. like eating fucking chalk. I hated it. I really? spit it out. Tasty. And it's not tasty. What you're it's tasting tasty. 
what you're tasting is all the flavoring. You're not tasting the the meat. Meat has a taste unto itself. Fred Schlesinger, taste the meat. (laughs) Feel the meat, meat. taste the meat. No, be the meat. meat. Be the meat. But you could talk to your wonderful uh, world-class chef husband, and he'll tell you that a fine cut of meat, all it needs is a little kosher salt and pepper and maybe a little olive oil, and that's it, and let the taste of the meat come through. If you want the taste of this fake meat, faux meat, faux burger, that's what I call it for all of you that know what the word faux means, um, you got to doctor it up with all kinds of seasonings and spices. And, so and I, get, I get that people are, are, you know, are vegetarians and vegans and schmegans. And I get all that. It's fine. But the question is meat versus fake meat. And there is no substitute. It's like having sex with a condom. It's, 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 it's I'm sorry. It's, it's like, it, it's like. Wait, wait, wait. Having sex, like making love to the condom? <laughs> no, making love with a condom versus making love au natural. Is that what it, you call it? Al natural? Well, I, I could call it other things, but I don't want to be shut down. So, okay. um, you know the difference. The difference oh. is real versus fake. And meat is meat. And I'm, I am stoic on this point. And this caller, this fan piss, is now pissing me off because I was going to have a delicious 80-20 burger for lunch, and now I'm too upset to eat. Well, another question, and I think this one, do you feel you're getting the same tasting meal now that restaurants are doing pickup, or are they just warming it up? No, no. There's no way. Yeah, no. I agree. Some there, most food, there's very, there's very few foods, and I know this because of Noah, that travel well. Correct. Pizza's I agree 100% one. with your, your wonderful husband. Um, and most foods don't travel well. And you know what? During this pandemic, uh, my wife and I have been eating out and only been eating out uh, on patios and really uh, adhering to the CDC guidelines and everything, but enjoying some wonderful meals. And the, um, we frequent a wonderful new restaurant, um, which is called Craftway Kitchens. It's up on Preston uh, Spring Creek and Parker area used to be the old Zizekis for those of you that live in Dallas. And I highly recommend that you eat there. The owner's name is Mike Hutchinson. And we actually have become good friends. And we talked about, you know, dining in versus taking out. And I think that these food service businesses are doing the best that they can. But when that food comes, like, I don't think, and and I don't eat Mexican food, but I don't think Mexican food travels well. I don't think any, any foods that require a sauce travels well. Um, I don't think barbecue travels well, but barbecue know, does travel well. Pasta does not. I, pasta I only know does that not. pasta does because not. Because there's, and and there's a short shelf life on pasta and you got to eat it while it's fresh. Dad, I would be remiss if I, if I didn't say this, I think even people eating out on patios, I think you're kidding yourselves. I drive through Hollywood, Los Angeles, which has been, I to say devastated by COVID-19, you know, most of us don't see the effects of it in the poor neighborhoods, but I see people sitting on patios and they're like, well, I've got, I've got a scrim between me and the thing. You're, you're so near other people. And I think people's cavalier attitude toward this is why my career disappeared. So I'm just saying, and I mean, 
12 feet apart on a patio maybe, but they pack them in here in LA and I want to take a megaphone and drive by and be like, you're the reason my career is gone. You well, I have to tell you that the restaurants that we're frequenting, and we're not frequenting that many, there's two or three that we found, and we are uh, amply distanced. We're easily six to eight feet away from the next table. And um, you know what? My heart goes out to all these uh, independent restaurant owners, not the chains. I'm not really concerned about the large chains. I'm talking about the mom and pop, independently owned restaurants that pre, pre-COVID were getting by month to month. And they've been devastated, devastated on many levels, not only with the lack of traffic, obviously, but a lot of service. And I don't want to tip off my bottom of the cob, but I'll talk about that. Save it. Save that I cob. I will. Sam Sid Katz, Sam underscore Sid underscore Cats at Play. Hello, Eliza, Fred, Baby Arm, Snow Peach, and Hot Scotty. What was your favorite job you've had? And if you could go back in time, is there another path you would have taken? Pro tennis player, a chef maybe? Or is there a carrier that you would want to try now knowing everything? Oh, a career you'd want to try. They wrote carrier, just so we're clear. Try now that you know everything you know. Also, Eliza, if you could not go back and do stand-up comedy, what other career industry would you have? So go okay. ahead, Dad. All right. Um, so uh, it's kind of a multi-part question. My favorite job that I ever had was professionally baking bagels in Long Island in the early 70s. I loved getting up super early. And I'll give you a quick story. I was 16 years old in New York to get a driver's license. You had to be 18. So in order to be a bagel baker, you have to light these huge commercial ovens Uh, And it takes a few hours for them to heat up. These ovens are tremendous. And I would walk from my house. This is Plainview, Long Island, New York. I'd walk from my house about three miles to the bagel bakery because I didn't have a license. I was 16 and I couldn't drive. Uh, One one morning, and so this is like four in the morning, one morning, a cop, a Nassau County cop, pulls me over as I'm walking and says, what are you doing? You're a kid. What are you doing on the streets? Of plane view at four in the morning, I said, I have a job as a bagel baker. And he goes, I don't believe you. I said, you know what? Why don't you give me a lift to the bagel bakery? Because it was <laughs> yes. cold as shit. It was like February. And um, I'll prove to you that I bake bagels. And as a matter of fact, I'll give you a dozen bagels, come back around noon. Well, this turned into a routine where the cop would take me almost oh. every weekend to the bagel bakery. Of course, he wanted his... Instead of donuts, he wanted his bagels. But I love baking bagels. I did it for about two, three years in my, like, from 16 to 18, 19. But my real dream job was being a professional musician. I absolutely loved, I play sax, I used to sing, we had a band, and I loved, there was no substitute for the rush that I would get performing. Uh, It's a very tough life. I stopped doing it professionally full-time because the traveling is just, you know, would wear you down. That's why you don't see a lot of 70 and 80 year old musicians because they die young uh, (laughs) with the exception of Mick Jagger, which nobody understands how this guy's still alive. Um, So um, my love was being a professional musician or a professional baseball player. Loved baseball, love it to this day. 
and I'll actually talk about it on the uh, top of the cob later. But um, oh wow, really, really teasing this top of the cob. I know, I know. But um, the, you know, I have three or four passions that I began early in my life, and certainly music, sports, and comedy are, are the three legs to my stool. And uh, I what, wish what kind of a, I wish what kind I was. Say my, your life stool. What is that? No, three what? legs to my stool. I know, but like, is that a thing? Yeah, is that's it? a thing. Your stool, your legs to you your stool, absolutely. It's If your stool has you legs, call, read, it, call a doctor. You need to read more. You don't read enough. You need to yeah. read. Yeah, I got to read more. Um, this stool has legs. Um, so for how many years were you in the men's apparel business? 27 years. 27 I was in years. The men's clothing, the fine, the upper end, the couture end that's, of the men's clothing. And that's a passion of yours. You've got opinions on that, and it's something that um, you know. I would be more specific and say fabric was my real passion. And, and that's something going back to a question that my father and I shared. He was in the fabric business in the early and mid 60s, and I fell in love with fabric and yarns and colors and. and like a kitten. Um, like, like a kitten. Erica Diane Sorensen says, question for Fred, in his opinion, given his, given his experience in men's fashion, what's the most timeless wedding look for the groom? For context, this is for a COVID postponed July 2021 wedding. I love the way that you dovetail that in there, my dear. That was, I'm that trying. Was, that was so subtly brilliant. Okay, so if we're going for classic um, formal apparel. Listen up, you slobs. And I have many, many years in that end of the business. Um, I would go with a white on white look, no vest. I would just do a, a, a really high quality, um, high count cotton, uh, two ply cotton, a formal shirt with a wingtip or a two and a half inch spread collar. Go with a white satin bow tie or foreign hand tie, a white satin. So it's a white on white look. Um, make sure your husband to be um, wears a one button shawl collar tuxedo jacket. And probably if it's a Zoom wedding, it won't matter what the pants are, <laughs> or, but uh, definitely uh, double pleated or plain front pants. But if the jacket is buttoned, you won't see that. But a one button, it's a, it's a low cut one button shawl collar. Don't go with a peak collar on a one button. Only go with a peak collar if it's double breasted. And Hope so that white notes. on white will, will look great in your wedding pictures 50 years from now. Nimi J, Nelmi J, 1984. Nimi DJ. Nimi Hey, Eliza Fred. Nimi. Hey. Hey. Okay, sorry. Hey, Eliza, Emily Tianfu. Hey, Eliza, Fred, Emily, and Tianfu. Question for Fred and Eliza. If you had to outline the plot of the Barnstorm saga, what would it be and who would star in it? Love the pod. Can't wait to see you in Dublin. Well, first, why don't you explain what Barnstorm is? Now, which one is she referring to? Which script, Eliza? Which iteration? We're working on several Barnstorm scripts as we speak. Several prequels to the sequels. Take it. So Barnstorm, for those of you that don't know, and and feel free to fast forward if you do know, uh, when we were little and we would go to Blockbuster, rest in peace, um, 
you know, it was the thing. Like, on, you know, you pick a movie and the family has to agree on a movie. And we'd get in the car and Ben, my brother, my younger brother would say, what do we get? And my dad would say, we got Barnstorm, which is obviously a made-up movie series. Uh, it's not, at the time, I don't even know if it was a trilogy, but a made-up uh, movie franchise. And Ben would be like, I don't want to watch Barnstorm. And my dad would be like, oh, it's the time-honored tale of the trials and tribulations of a young man or whatever. And Ben, even though we never saw these movies, <laughs> Ben would always be like, I don't want to watch Barnstorm. And so Barnstorm became this action series in our family. It became a family <laughs> thing, a family tradition. And since then, how many Barnstorms have we created at this point? What Let, do we let's see. There's Barnstorm... There's Barnstorm 2, The Recovery. The Return, what, uh, Barnstorm 3 was The Return of the Departure. Yeah. <laughs> and your favorite one, because you wrote the script, was Barnstorm 4, which I have to admit to you was brilliant when you brought back the character's parents from, from the death that they suffered. Yeah. And you, and you did that whole, this is us, you know, time phasing, which I, I'm shocked that it didn't win awards. I'm shocked. Barnstorm for every night has a morning. Stefan underscore J. Hey, Eliza and Fred. My question is, what is more of a red flag when dating or meeting someone new? That their friend group consists of only childhood high school friends or that they don't have any friends from childhood high school? Best regards and enjoy your life. Too bad that Barnstorm 7 production got pushed back due to COVID-19. <laughs> We are reeling from that. By the way, uh, who who sent in that question? Stefan underscore NJ. Stefan, uh, by the way, of all the questions that we uh, read and culled down, this was one of my favorite ones. I'm really glad that you uh, sent in this question. So to answer your question, <clears throat> people are, are, are divided into three types of people. There are people that live in the past, and I'll give you an example of that. There are people who live in the present. Momentous. And then there are people, what? The momentous. momentous. Very good. Great word. Love that word. And there are people that live in the future. So the people who live in the past said, oh my God, you know, when I went to UT and, and they're 47 now, and all they do is keep talking about their college experiences. These are people who live in the past. Well, remember the first job we had, you know, at Dunkin' Donuts? And that was 30 years ago. And there are people who, who are able to live in the present, which we call momentous. And then there are people who live in the future. And the um, telltale signs of people who live in the future are, you know what, one of these days when I get blah, 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 blah. So going back to your question about friends, I think that there's something wrong with people that you're dating, people that you're meeting to develop a romantic relationship that only have old friends. I met them in high school, I met them in college, I met them on my first job, and they don't have any contemporary friends. I, and I think, uh, what was the other category? People that, what was the other category of friends? Oh, it was, it was, it was what's worse, people that only have friends from when they're younger or people ha who have no friends from that? Ah, okay, so what's worse is, People that have no friends. Uh, I'll give some points to people that have old friends. But the perfect uh, situation, the perfect storm for you in dating are people that have kept kept with old friends and kept in touch with them and, and developed a deep 
uh, lifetime relationship and friends that they picked up along the way as they matured, as they uh, moved on with their career. So that would be the perfect storm. But stay away from people that have no friends. Because Well, that's, I mean, when, that's a given. That's no, well, but, that's but that a, was the question. No, no, no. They're saying no friends from when they're younger. Meaning like only, meaning like oh. they're a grifter, a drifter, and they move to a town. They're like, yeah, because it's weird to not have any friends when you're younger. And I'll tell you why. Because that means the person is lying about their identity and something's weird. Something's and weird. You have, they, and you have personal experience about all that. I do. And I'm just saying you want, it's like when you, when you're dating, I remember one time I went on a date with a guy and we were hanging out like super late night and I freaked out and we were like kissing and he was like, what? And I was like, we don't have any Facebook friends in common. And he was like, okay. And I was like, I don't know you. Like you want to have a link, someone that validates like, oh yeah, I went to school with this person. They didn't just materialize. They're not a lizard person. Some sort of recourse. Just you want insurance that the person is a human. But if something happens, you need ties. You need to know that this person had roots somewhere. It's kind of like the whole premise of Don Draper. Like Betty Draper married him, but like, didn't know yeah. anyone from his past. And look what yeah. happened. He ended up being super hot and then she got fat and died of cancer. So yeah, there's that. There, yeah, that, yeah, there's a creepy effect. But it also depends on the age. So do we know how old this fan is, roughly? I don't know. Okay, so I agree with you, Eliza. If somebody's in their 30, 20s, 30s, early 40s, and they have no friends from you know their previous life, that's a red flag. But, you know, somebody in their 50s or 60s, which they're, I don't think that this fan, um, yeah, you know what, people die. People die and, people and die. move on. All right, here's okay. a question I know that you've been wanting, and I'm just going to kind of zone out, unhinge my jaw, and eat a nectarine while you answer it. Regal Beagle 78, hey gang, Fred, how bummed are you that you cannot go to the U.S. Open this year? First time since 2002 that I won't be there. What are you going to do instead? Regal Beagle, I love you. Uh, we communicate, or we used to communicate. I do want to bring up the fact that I got hacked on my Instagram uh, account. And I have not been on Instagram for the better part of six weeks because some scumbag hacked into my account. And it really bothers me. But uh, before I got hacked, I would uh, communicate back and forth with a couple of your fans that do have a true love for tennis as I do. And so I'm devastated uh, on many levels because of COVID, but uh, on this particular point that I can't uh, return back to New York and enjoy my Chinese and my Italian and my bagels and the world-class tennis that the U.S. Open experience has to offer. But I am seeking solace in the fact that the U.S. Open will uh, be, be um, what's the word? W will uh, be on... Oh. be on for uh over it's two weeks from now because the western and southern is on the 22nd and then they're going to have the u.s open obviously so it's on people just can't go like basketball yeah no spectator like every sport there's no spectators well, you allowed. would think tennis would be the easiest because it's just two people and they're already so far apart so yeah it should but, be fine but you're dealing with spectators and you're dealing with taking temperature of 20,000 people in, in no, a No, no, no. I'm saying just to have the players play. That should, there's no yeah, close contact. Was, actually, golf was the first professional sport that commenced during COVID and then tennis. And uh, Regal Beagle, well, 
What? That's more be- I think that's more because of the type of person who plays golf. I don't see as the kind of person that cares about a mask. The guys that golf well, no, are like, it's an, it's an go individual sport and it was easy to keep I the understand that. away. I understand but, that. But for those of you that love golf, uh, they, they were thrilled to have it back. So it was golf first, then tennis, then baseball. And of course, now we have basketball as well. But in these bubble events, but... Um, oh, shocker. A bunch of fat, white Southern guys in plaid pants didn't care about the virus. I know it's an individual sport. I'm just correlating the demographic that enjoys that particular sport with the types of people who tend to not care about this disease. According what? to Michael Jordan, who was a pretty damn good athlete, he believes golf is the greatest sport ever. So don't don't put golf down. When, Wendy Spark, 70. Borg or Matt, McEnroe? Bjorg or McEnroe, Chrissy or Martina, who do you like that currently plays? First of all, Wendela, it's good to hear from you. Wendy Sparks and I have an uh, Instagram relationship through tennis, so thank you very much for reaching out. And I am a diehard lover uh, of the um, Borg-McEnroe uh, matches that they had for years, and I'm sure you saw the movie, which was called Borg versus McEnroe. But growing up on Long Island... And being a New Yorker, my heart is always with McEnroe, even though he has his foibles. But I absolutely reflect the stoic, ice through your veins uh, style that Bork had. And um, that was a tremendous rivalry. Chrissy and, and, and Martina, I was never a Chrissy fan. She was just way too white bread for me, way, way too... Uh, uh, what was the um, father knows best type thing? And even when you listen to her today, she's a commentator on the tennis channel. Um, her, her commentary is really kind of, she's queen of the obvious. She doesn't have anything really to add versus Martino Navratilova, who has been through hell and back. And in my opinion is right there with Serena as top two or three greatest female tennis players of all time. Love Martina, love her grit, love all the obstacles she overcame. And I think, and I may be wrong, even at the age of 48, won a Grand Slam uh, mixed doubles um, uh, title. So it just shows you. Uh, but Chrissy 48? Was 48? Was, what if, was 48? What if... That she was the stepmom of the 66-year-old husband. What? And then the girl. What if that was the stepmom that you're encouraging the girl to have a relationship with the girl? It's because the, never mind. The age of the stepmom was 48 for the 66-year-old dad. I'm just yeah. trying to bring it back to the question. Yeah. Uh, Emily G. Hi, Eliza, Emily, Tianfu, and Fred. My father played competitive tennis, and I enjoyed it growing up. One of my favorite memories is watching Jim Connor's epic U.S. Open run in 1991 and sharing that experience with my dad, who loved Connors. My question is, if you could have a playing lesson with any tennis player in history, who would it be, where would it be, playing surface, and why? Thank you. Hope to see you in Phoenix, February. She's talking to me, not you. You know, Eliza, as you're reading the question, I have chills. I have chills because... I watched with so much love that 1991 comeback of Jimmy Connors. And he used a, an obscure lime green racket with no brand on it. It was, uh, I think he spray painted it lime green. And the charge at the U.S. Open that he came, I, I believe he made it to the quarterfinals. And I believe his opponent was Aaron Crickstein. And he ultimately uh, lost. He didn't make it to the semis. But he also was in his mid to late 30s. So back then in 91, 
it would have been like um, Federer being in his mid forties, you know, like ten years older. And I lo- I loved every part of it. I loved Jimmy Connors' passion and his uh, do whatever you have to to do to win um, attitude. Um, if I were to take a lesson or if I had the luxury of hitting with one uh, iconic tennis pro, it would probably have been Rene Lacoste. Now, a lot of you that aren't into tennis go, who the hell is Rene Lacoste? I've heard the name no, Lacoste no. on my polo shirt. Well, you would be right because Rene Lacoste had over a hundred inventions and patents. One of them being Rene Lacoste invented the polo shirt. The other invention he had is he invented the ball machine as well. He actually created and invented was, the ball that machine. That was your, na- your name in, in college. That was your name in college. The ball machine, right. But Rene Lacoste was a brilliant pioneer of early tennis back in the 20s and 30s and was very, very successful on many, many levels and was truly a passionate student of the game. That's what I look for today when I play with my tennis partners or I play against people. I look for people that love the sport and are students of the game because it is one of the greatest games ever created. She sees a million stars. Thank goodness. Fred episodes are always a treat. I know you've talked about different restaurants and reviewing them. How has COVID changed that for you? Did you try new places for takeout while things were closed? Or did you find yourself cooking at home more? And piggybacking off that, one stage page says, Fred, in quarantine, have you taken a home cooking any tasty time favorites like your daughter and son-in-law? Love you both. Well, first of all, I I absolutely have loved what uh, uh, Eliza Noah did with Don't Eliza, Panic, thank you. With Don't Panic Pantry, and how many episodes are you up to? One twenty-eight. We're over one hundred and thirty. Over one hundred and thirty. Yeah. I missed I missed this weekend's episodes because I don't have Instagram anymore. But yeah. um, what what they did uh, was absolutely fantastic, and they actually don't know it, but they and this pandemic spurred on my interest uh, for cooking. And as I mentioned earlier in the broadcast, um, I've been experimenting with wonderful recipes. I just created the other night a honey glazed garlic verblanc marinade on boneless, skinless thighs. I highly recommend it. And if you want the recipe, reach out to Eliza. What animal? Huh? What animal? Boneless, skinless chicken thighs. Okay, you got to be specific. Okay. But uh, the, the boneless, skinless thighs, the, the dark meat uh, remains moist. And I made several of them and we reheated them uh, as leftovers. They were fantastic. But using the honey, garlic, and the white wine was an incredible blend. And uh, we really enjoyed the uh, taste and the succulence of the moist, tender thighs. Uh, so I highly recommend that. And uh, I've been grilling and, and uh, home cooking virtually every day or every night, I should say, and, and loving all of that. And um, if you stay, have tuned you-, to, you stay tuned to the bottom of the cob, I'll reference uh, restaurants and service. Uh, we already talked about how food uh, doesn't travel well. Some food doesn't travel well. So okay. we kind of answered all of your uh, multi parts to your question. Thank you. We're going to ask one more question from the people, and then we're going to get to uh, Top of the Cob. Top of the Cob. Bottom of the Cob. 
Draw Drops, very talented artist who's become a friend. Oh, yes, I saw Is it a female or male? It's a lady. Lady, I saw her work a few times on your Instagram post. She is brilliantly talented. It's all so cute. She does it so and she she does it so fast. Yeah. I, I say some gibberish and she's like, I made some gibberish. Tino Chino. Hi, Fred Eliza baby. That, I'm that Tino should Chino. Be the name of a snack treat, by the way. Tino Chino. No, gibberish. That's a perfect name for a snack treat. For like a high, an empty cal- caloric, great tasting snack. Should be called gibberish. Well, you know what they have? They have poppycock, which is like, you know, like that candied uh, caramelly popcorn with like peanuts in it. Poppycock. No level is that politically incorrect? No, no, it's fine because um, uh, a woman, um, I don't know. It's not like the Washington Redskins of snacks, poppycock? No. Okay. No, not at all. Because it references a penis. And as we all know, men are very here for that. Hi, Eliza, Fred, baby arm, Tina Chinner, and the spirit of hot Scotty. You know the drill. Whoa, whoa, the good what old do you mean the spirit? Is he dead? He passed. Oh, really? I did not know. No, no, no. He's fine. He's fine. Uh, he's just not here uh, in the studio with us because it's all done remotely now and we send him the files. So oh, we're just not in the so studio. You fire with him? No, he's just not. He, he does the work. He's just not with us recording. I'll we never don't go forget into the, the four frescas he brought me. I'll never forget that. He's a. He's a good man. Wonderful. I miss his soothing voice. Yes. Say hello for me. Here's the situation. My father, very old school, very Italian, big fan of the patriarchal family structure, is very against body modifications of any kind, piercings, tattoos, dyed hair. His rule on the topic has been not until you're 18, for as long as I can remember. Yet, when I turned 19 and got a tattoo and dyed my hair pink, he made me sleep in the driveway. I moved to the U.S. soon after, so he let that go. My brother just turned 18 and he got his ear pierced. My dad went ballistic when he saw him and told him the rule on body modifications was not while you're living under my roof and has been threatening to kick my brother out of the house ever since. I have a way better relationship with my dad than my brother has, so he asked me to somehow intervene and try to get through to my dad. How should I proceed? Should I even proceed at all or should I keep my pink-haired self out of it? Thanks. Uh, Okay, so again... A multi-layered question. First of all, in general, I think you're pissing into the wind trying to get your dad to uh, allow your younger brother to express himself. That's number one. I think you're going to be wasting your time. Number two, you're dealing with two different dynamics. You're dealing with a father-daughter relationship and a father-son relationship. So it's it's male-female and male-male, and, and there's different dynamics there. As far as him being old school, uh, you know, Italian, traditional, and everything else, uh, I can relate to it being old school Jewish. And in the Uh, Jewish... By the way, her dad, I I believe from what I know about her, I think her dad is actually Italian, like in Italy. And she just moved to... It's not like Italian-American. It's like an Italian person. So they live in Italy in his home. She did. Yes, I think that's true. And then she moved here. But he's Italian, Italian. So what's interesting in the Jewish religion, it's against Jewish law to adorn your body with anything artificial. In other words, if it's not God's work, meaning a tattoo. And the other well, that's unfortunate for, because we love nose jobs. So I go, although it isn't adorning because it's not a, something but, else. But that's interesting that you equate nose jobs to tattoos. That's very interesting. To a, a modification, anyway. Yeah, but uh, uh, tattoos. You but, okay? Go ahead. Okay, so the the son with the nose ring. Did you say? 
He just got an ear pierced. Yeah, the ear pierced. So I would I would explain to the dad. So if I'm the daughter, I'd say, you know, dad, it's it's ear piercing, and that can easily go away and be removed. The tattoo thing is permanent. Although I know today there's technology where you can remove tattoos, but I'm told it's extremely painful. So um, he has a point where he comes from. As long as you're living in my house, you'll follow my rules. And he's entitled to that. So the son can move out and, you know, and become a, um, uh, uh, whatever, a, a wall of graffiti if he wants to. But as long as he's living in his father's house and probably not paying any rent, um, he has to adhere to those rules. So Also, it's so, an ear piercing is so mild compared to what people are doing. So it's, it's an act of rebellion, but it's so small. It's, it's almost like with what you could be doing, I guess he's lucky the son only wants a teeny lobe pierced. It's so, I, I think I, you're, yeah. I think the daughter should bring that up. She goes, dad, what is an ear piercing complete compared to having his penis removed? I mean, it's nothing totally removed. It's not, well, totally no, removed. when you go Just through those fun. sex change operations, you have your penis removed or, I mean, what if he was a transgender? You wanted to go through that? I mean, thank God it's just his ear being pierced. Stop it, Dad. It's 2020. And it's make, 2020. make some sauce and leave me alone. <laughs> it's time for... It's a top of the cob. We're doing it right. Every day. You just take a bite. Top of the cob. Beep, beep, beep. So we have to have different um, music for... Because top of the cob is very up in it. So... Bop, 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 top of the cob. And then we have to go... Oh, boom, boom, boom. Bottom of the Bottom cob. Bottom of the cob. All right, well, do you want to intro us in with your Top of the Cob song you just did? Top of the Cob, Top of the Bee, Top of the Bee. My Top of the Cob, having just done it, is a HIT workout. Um, High intensity, what is it? High intensity interval, high interval training, high interval training. Uh, I... I'm not a fan of cardio, but like today I had X amount of time and I have something to do after the pod. And I was like, I got to get this workout in. So I opted for a hit class. I did it in 20 minutes. It gets your heart going and then it drops it back down. Heart going drops it back down. And that's really the best way to burn calories. Keep burning calories throughout the day. It's a great way to just get it done. Um, and I love a good quick hit class. So uh, I, that's what I just came from. And, and my body is buzzing. And I feel really good. You can see me right now. I'm just, I'm very sweaty. Yeah, you I don't look, look amazing. Great. No, you look you're so healthy and so fresh and vibrant. You look great. Thank you. Thank you. So it's a hit workout. And what is your top of the cab? Top of the cab. Actually, what's interesting, and this is my uh, fifth appearance on your podcast. The previous four, I had two separate top and bottom of the cobs. But in this particular case, my top and bottom of the cob relates to this pandemic. And I think it's very timely. So my top of the cob relating to the pandemic is because of this pandemic, my wife and I have fallen back in love with our home because we were in the process of selling our home and moving into a high rise um, apartment down by the Galleria area. Because of the pandemic, we've decided not to. And we've now put money into remodeling and updating and I'm in the process of putting in a new uh, kitchen uh, on the patio to continue to grill and and cook. And that's the top of the cob related to the pandemic. There's a lot of good that is unfortunately, unfortunately, that'll be coming out of it. So um, we have 
uh, I have developed a newfound love for our um, home, and we love it even more. And that's my top of the cob. Now I love that. Now, no, no. Okay. Can I introduce the bottom of the cob? Kick it. Or no? Or do you have more to add to that? No, no. I'm a one one hit cob. So here's my here's my theme song. The bottom of the cob. <laughs> you got to do a <laughs> after. <laughs> Feel like a uh, my bottom giant. of the cob. Oh, oh, oh. No, no, we don't own the rights. Oh, sorry. Oh, this is actually funny. Now that, well, okay. Um, have you heard the, the McDonald's commercials with Brian Cox doing the voiceovers? I think they're only on Hulu. Noah and I think this is the funniest thing. So Brian Cox, who is the dad on Succession, for those of you that don't know. Yes. He does the voiceover. And it's just a commercial for an Egg McMuffin, but it's his voice. And so he's like, oh, when you scrape that bit of cheese off the paper, you know you love an Egg McMuffin. And you know the McDonald's jingle? Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Like at the end? I'm loving it. So he does, He this is unrelated to the bottom of the cup. He does his voiceover and then he sings the jingle, but he doesn't hit the right notes. Ooh. So he's like, he's like, get an Egg McMuffin. Ba-da-ba-ba. <laughs> And you know they were like, you know they were like, Mr. Cox, can you come back in? He's like, I'm already out of here. Yeah. Bye. Like, here. You know that he was like already on his private jet, and he was like, but up up up. It's the only take he'll give us. Not even knowing how he butchered the theme song. But up up, beetly do, scoot up up. We think that's very funny. Uh, my bottom of the cob is very simple. It's unrelated to COVID. I pride myself. I take very good care of my skin. I. Uh, you know, I don't really get a lot of like zits. Uh, I've got my cystic acne under control. I feel good about that, but I don't get a lot of zits. And I cannot stand when I a zit pops up on my lip line. It fucks up the line of your lip. It always looks like a herpes scar. And it really bothers me because you want to cover it up, but... And they leave these scars because it's your lip skin. I had one back in the fall. And it's like, do you walk around with a giant white head on your lip or just a red scratch thing? And it left a scar. And I have one now. And I squoze it. And I got the zit stuff out of it. But it hurts. And it's like, why the lip line? Like, why right there and not an inch onto the face? So that really bothers me when your skin's like, I got something for you. Zit lip. I hope nobody's eating during this part of the podcast. Oh my god! Oh my god! I didn't even I see. Pick, I picked it during the pod. Now picking, picking zits is the bottom of your cup. Oh no, that's the top of the cup. Top of the All cup. right, what's your bottom of the cup? Okay, so getting back to the pandemic, and as I said to you, there's positives and negatives. So my real one negative, I actually, and I hope this is okay, Eliza. I have a bottom of the cob, and then I'd like to introduce a new concept to your cob. Okay. Is I have a hybrid cob. I have a Bottom and top combined. So a middle, a middle cob, which sounds like a suburb of Massachusetts. A cablito. A cablesque. You're a cabalist. Okay, so go ahead. Go ahead. Okay, so here's here's my true bottom of the cob. All of the conflicting medical information that we are receiving about uh, anything to do with, um, with cases reporting, fatalities reporting, um, uh, the laboratories that are close to creating either drugs or vaccines. There is so much bullshit going on, so much conflicting bullshit, similar to what's coming out of the White House, which is also conflicting, 
that it's really driving all of us as Americans crazy because what's happened is we no longer know who and what to believe. And we're all been, we've all been thrown into this disgusting pandemic and, and we want to latch on to hope, uh, to positive information that, you know, within a few weeks we'll have a, a vaccine or we'll have a drug or a cure, whatever the case may be. But, but it's difficult. It's difficult to have uh, hope and be positive when we're getting all these conflicting stories from the CDC and Dr. What's his name? Fauci. 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 And, and then Trump coming in and contradicting and all this bullshit mixed in with the impending uh, elections and all of the conflicting information we're getting politically. So it really is unnerving. So that's my bottom of the cop. It's so weird you say that. It's almost as if they're trying to, how do I say this, scare people Manipulate. into voting? Manipulate. It's almost as if. Okay. okay. Now my hybrid. I'm ready. Okay, so the bottom part of the hybrid is how sorely I've missed my sports due to the pandemic. I've missed my baseball, I've missed my golf, I've missed my tennis. But the top of the bottom of this is how brilliantly executing, executed a professional sports has been and how sensitive they've been to the health issues. And firstly, as I mentioned earlier, it was golf. And tennis just got through with this uh, World Team Tennis three-week bubble event, which is, I, I don't even have words for how brilliantly executed it was and how everybody remained healthy and how it gave the tennis public um, professional tennis. And we were so, so hungry to, to watch professional tennis, whether it was men, women, and, and mixed. So there was a lot of greatness that came out of this because the, um, the tennis professionals uh, approached this amazingly well, having uh, the tantamount of the health of the players came first and foremost. And now baseball is following in tennis's footsteps as basketball is. So basketball, God. I want to say... Not that it matters, but the NBA, you know, they're doing this like bubble league. And so the players all have to live in Orlando and they all get tested and they play in this league. I've watched a couple of those games and seeing the way that the fans are all in this LED screen and they're able to watch and their response to the Black Lives Matter with all the jerseys and stuff like that. I think the NBA is a classy establishment and I think they've really, uh, really figured it out, figured out a great way to to still bring people sports and make it feel a little less weird. I do want to interject a point that you almost brought up about Major League Baseball. And if you've watched... I, that doesn't sound like me, but okay, if, go ahead. Well, but you did almost bring this up. If you've been watching any yeah. of the Major League Baseball broadcasts in the last few days, you've noticed on the um, upper left chest of the uniforms, a patch commemorating 100 years of the uh, Negro Baseball League, which um, mm. is fantastic and obviously dovetailing into all of the racial strife uh, that the country has been um, going through. But it's great that um, accolades and praise have been given to these amazing um, black pioneers of baseball uh, who really paved the way for the Jackie Robinsons and all the other great black ball players that we've 
uh, grown to love in the 50s, 60s, and and even up to uh, present. So uh, my hat's yeah. off to Major League Baseball for recognizing the importance of what was called the Negro League, uh, you know, uh, over 100 years ago. And um, obviously yeah. elevated baseball to the great sport that it continues to be. Meanwhile, college football is like, hey, uh, poor black, black athletes, come on in, play for us so we can make money, and hopefully you don't die. Yeah. So catch up, football. You're supposed to be America's heartbeat. All right, you guys, that's my dad. That is what was New York Fred for you on Instagram. We're going to get him back on there. What? I will be back yeah. on Instagram. Just um, uh, keep those cards and letters coming. I love you guys, and thank you for all of your love and support particularly during my six uh, procedures. I am healthy as could be. I'm down to a fighting 193, playing tennis every night. And um, uh, Eliza's fans are phenomenal, and I feel all your love. So thank you all, and um, we'll all get through this pandemic. And um, appreciate your support. Love you, Dad. Love the fans. Love you, Eliza. Thanks for kicking it. Bye. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.